It's alright. It's all in good fun. Our guest is smiling already, so it's going to be a good time. Thanks for downloading, dear listener, the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Guzman. I'm an improv comedian from New York. I'm joined today by our youth correspondent, Chelsea Bennington. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Chelsea? I am so great. Uh, Not well, as aggravated as I was an hour ago. That is a very important thing on a summer day in New York City. <laughs> and I'm very excited. We are joined today by the wonderful Zuzu Mansour of Soraya. Hello. How are you today, Zuzu? I'm doing great. It's you're good looking, to see you. You're looking wonderful in the leopard print. I'm a fan of animal print, but I yeah. feel I couldn't pull it off myself. You know what's funny is I realized about two months ago, I said, I'm done with the leopard print, and all I realized is I just keep wearing it. It's almost like a, I don't want to say goodbye. And cats, black cats, and Nor leopard should. print. I was going to you know, say Voodoo Elvis for later, but I do oh. love when you post pictures of your cat. And uh, Voodoo Elvis is a wonderful name. It is. You know, uh, I named her because the first radio song we had was Love Like Voodoo in 2013. Yeah. And I, right before I moved, which was, this was in 2014, I knew I wanted a black cat. And people were trying to give me all sorts of rescue cats. And I was like, you know, the guilt and stuff would kick in. I'd be like, just take the cat, take the cat. And take I was like, the damn cat. I'm like, I can't, I want a black cat. I don't know why, I really want a black cat. And I move in this place and Voodoo Elvis was sitting on the front porch of Kitten. Oh and I was like, no, that's too weird. And then as time went on, she just would start coming out and standing outside my, my uh, window and looking at me. So that was my cat. And Voodoo was the first thing. And Elvis, I mean, they're probably the, not the hugest fan, but one of the hugest fans of Elvis Presley. So mm. Voodoo Elvis seemed yeah. appropriate. So not only is that creepy, it, yeah. it's, it's also sweet. It's so it is, cute. It's, it's and, very it's sweet. Cute. And that's what we kind of go for with spooky doings in our improv show. Creepy and a little sweet. Well, the foundation of creepy is sweet, I think. Yeah. It can <laughs> certainly be. <laughs> So, um, you've been in the studio this week. Uh, how's that going? New album coming along. I'm really excited. The further along we get, the happier I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I see the progress from the first record to this record, from the last single to this record. Um, just in our what we bring each bring to the table. You know what I mean? In the studio and the ideas and the creativity. And you know, I'm still learning to work in the studio and and just the different producers I've worked with and. The last, this week's session was so good. There was only a few of us there, though. Just uh, Mike playing guitar and me, vocal, and then our producer, Jeff. Mm -hmm. So just having three people was a lot easier, too, only because I think the ideas were free to flow and people weren't sitting around waiting for their turn, kind of. I know I do that when I'm, you know, it gets kind of like, and you're in this small room, you're just like, I just want to do something, anything, you know. So It's uh, almost like waiting to film when you have all those actors, like, sitting and waiting to film their scenes. Yeah. And it's like, I'm I'm literally just sitting here while you fix the lights for 40 minutes. I know, your head can do all sorts of tricks on you. You really got to discipline your brain. Exactly. Like, you start thinking, like, okay, well, I could try this in a scene or I could you know and it gets to a point you forget everything you were going to do yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that natural part yeah, the natural part goes away and it's like yeah so there's a really fine cool. line I think mm-hmm. between thinking and overthinking and creating yes. and over thinking you're creating it's, yeah. 
you know, there's no monitors in the brain. So I just try to distract myself because our label's also on the same floor. So I just go out and bother them. Oh, nice. <laughs> I just I say, I'm just nice. going to bother you. I'm hey, if here. you have cat pictures, you can yeah. be like, all right, guys, this <laughs> is what we're talking about for an hour. <laughs> They're seeing it You were to harass. <laughs> and uh, Chelsea and I saw you ba- over a week ago. Yes. Uh, at uh, Berlin under mm-hmm. a, in a blistering fucking show thank you and really thank, you. thank you yeah i love that club the mm-hmm. red lights oh i mm-hmm. love that was my first time there and i was like this is awesome it had yeah. very much of a nice like speakeasy type vibe yeah. yeah and it seems like the green room where you guys are preparing well that would probably be where the gangsters used to hang out exactly so it's appropriate and there's chandeliers and mm-hmm. like yet yeah, there's yeah. also cement like it's mm-hmm. the strangest like dichotomy of things in yeah. there and then and then all you barely even see like the bartender or whatever but you you just see so many people it just feels like old like 70s rock and roll clubs yeah. like CBGB's probably used to be like oh yeah you yeah. know uh, Debbie Harry got into some shenanigans somewhere in there definitely uh, maybe somebody <laughs> made out with Iggy Pop who knows yeah There's st- <laughs> if the wall- stories those walls could tell <laughs> stay out of my head Chelsea it's not a place for nice ladies like you but I also picked up uh, Dirty Like Sarai which was an album of yours I didn't know existed yeah. ahead of time so yeah. it's like there's more to this story and your story and the band's story than I was aware of. So, um, let's start at the beginning. The, the name Soraya, where'd that come from? Honestly, that's my first name. Okay. It's my full name. Um, I, one of the first times, it was the first time I tried to get a gig. I just wrote my name on the, you know, on the demo and I mm-hmm. gave it to the booker because I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's never gonna, you know, I didn't even have a band. Like, mm-hmm. I just gave it to him, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, yeah, we're going to book you. And he just listed as Soraya. And ever since then, I was like, all right, well, we'll keep that for a while. Yeah. But Soraya actually means like a like a strong, powerful, like guiding star. It's one of the Pleiades constellation. And it basically is this immense energy. That's why it emits so much light. So I thought, that's exactly what a band is. Like, you want it to have that immense energy. Like, four people, five people, six, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, contributing that and so I feel like that's kind of what my vision always was for it Mm -hmm. from the first day I opened my mouth to sing Mm -hmm. so that's I thought that's the best name it could have Uh, that that is cool so um, what were some of the influences to make you first open your mouth to sing did you hear anybody did you see anybody on TV uh, who, who made you think oh I could give that a shot Here's what's weird. Mm-hmm. Nobody in my family is a singer. Mm-hmm. Nobody. It's not like I come from a musical family. Like almost every musician I've ever met, it's like, yeah, my, you know, cousin did this, or my uncle did this, or my great grandfather did this, and I'm like, and it's always musical, and I'm like, don't have that mm-hmm. at all. So that's how I, I trust it too, because it just came from a real natural place. Um, believe it or not, I heard this song. Um, my mom played it. Well, she used to play me Elvis. And my dad would play the Beatles and Arabic music in the car because he was Egyptian. Um, but I heard this song and I just refound it on, on a 45, which I could not believe it. It's not like a, it's an obscure song. Mm-hmm. It's called You Light Up My Life Yeah. by Debbie Boone. Yeah, I know that one. I don't know why, but I had to learn that song. And I learned this song and um, I sang it in, I guess it was like a kindergarten show um, with this other girl. I didn't even know what I was singing. I just It was almost like when you learn a song in a different mm-hmm. language, you just kind of memorize the yeah. phonics of it. It was like that. 
and I sang. That was the first time I sang, and it had me ever since. And it was funny because I was terrified. So you're in, like, kindergarten. You're mm. terrified to go on stage. Mm. You know what I mean? You, you do it anyway. Like, mm. where's that come from? Like, we're all doing this. And then you can tell the ones that are, like, really hamming it up that they're not scared at all. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know. No, I, may, I may have been one of those kids. Yeah, that's good, though. That's good. I mean, I, I don't think there's one particular way, mm. you know? So, as you said, your first open mic, you didn't have a band, but you tried something. So how did you go about forming a band? Actually, um... That guy did give us a gig. It was a, a, a place called Grape Street. It's still around. And um, this was probably in like mid 2000, like 2004, 2003, 2004. And um, the guy I was dating at the time played, barely played acoustic guitar. So that's how we did it. But I had written songs. Mm-hmm. I was writing since I was like 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think they were any good, but I just wanted to sing. I just wanted mm-hmm. a vehicle. Like to me, writing was a medium to get me yeah. to be able to sing. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's that's like just to get you. I just to the did next it. Step. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like you know, and and then you know, uh, of course, my process since then, I've met a lot of really amazing and worked with amazing songwriters and learned the craft of songwriting and how to bring my own voice to it too. But, but like you know, it's not like I'm I've reached this mountaintop and I'm like I'm a great writer now. It's like I just always hear things and songs. I have a better ear. Mm-hmm. I think that's what comes from experience. Experience. Mm-hmm. You have a better ear, like mm-hmm. better eye for what somebody's doing. And why they did it, kind of. I remember reading a Sonny Rollins interview someplace uh, when he was in his 60s. And like, yeah, I think I'm finally getting the hang of this. <laughs> and I was like, but wait, what? Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. That, that makes sense. Or him or Ben Harper, like uh, when he had uh, the hit Faded, I think, in like 98, 99. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to be good for another six albums. Yeah. <laughs> which which brings... Brings it back to Dirty Lex Arias. So the, I took a look at the photo. I'm like, oh, I don't recognize half the band. No. And it sounds very different from Dead Reckoning, your last record. So it's like, there, there's a journey here. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of music addict. Like, I want the entire catalog. I want to know and see, and then go through it chronologically and see how the changes happen to where I was lucky enough to join in in that chapter uh, with the first show That's that I cool. saw you guys yeah. perform. So um, how about that record? How did that come about? Was yep. that after, clearly after that first open mic, and you're like, oh, let's Not see what happens. Not long after it. Okay. <laughs> let's put it that way. But, um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, you know, it started really early for me that I got the singing bug. I mm-hmm. just didn't think that I could... Um, that I could follow through with that, you know, mm-hmm. like I didn't, I didn't, um, I honestly had thought, so this is going to be a little long-winded and I'm sorry for that. That's for that. okay. We're here for a but while. I honestly thought that, um, that you either were a singer or you weren't. And I don't know where I got that thinking from, <laughs> but, um, I just thought I wasn't because I didn't sound like the other people in my school, like the girls. <laughs> I had a much heavier, darker voice. And I, you know, I, I don't even remember if I tried out for things, but I knew I wouldn't get them because I had such a different voice. Um, so, you know, Dirty Like Soraya came about, this is, how I started singing is I was a drummer. Mm -hmm. I started being a drummer around, I guess, about 14. I started playing drums because I didn't think I was a singer. It's, it's, the power of the mind is immense to, like, your success or lack of it. it, 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 It's very shocking how a lot of times the only thing holding you back is you. It is. That's, I didn't think I was a singer. I thought I couldn't be a singer because I wasn't born a singer. 
Mm-hmm. Like, where'd that thought come from? I don't mm-hmm. know, but it, it's, I don't even, I can't even trace it to a person. It was just how I thought. And I never verbalized it, so nobody ever could tell me that wasn't true. Till later I did, but that's a different story. But anyway, um, so I became a drummer, and I always wanted to be in a band. I'm like, I want to be in a touring band. I, I knew it from day one, like, you know, and... So day one you knew you had to be a lifer. I did. <laughs> There's too much heartbreak in it yeah. to not be a lifer. Like, if you, if, like if you, when you said about the band members, I, mean, I can tell you we've lost... Soraya is not Soraya from 2005 mm-hmm. or 2010 or even 2017 if you want the honest truth it's I just do. it's completely changed immensely and what I find is instead of like in early on I used to be like why'd they leave I don't understand why they left and the funny thing is I watch people when they leave they become like kind of I'll call them earth people like because it's like I, I they become more culturally like what you normally see like either they get married or they become like a wedding photographer like you should see like what I'm I'm just amazed and I go like it wasn't for them Mm -hmm. you know there was some aspect of it that wasn't for them and for me it was there from the beginning like I knew I had to tour and listen I'm not a big fan of some of the stuff I've gone through I've Mm -hmm. gotten sick there's so much non-certainty uncertainty in your voice and your Mm -hmm. instrument like even if you take 100% care of it like over the top you can still like lose out and then you're losing money and mm-hmm. you're you know but anyway um so so the band singer when i was probably i guess about 18 or 19 the band singer didn't show up and i was like <laughs> i'll sing so i sang and i couldn't hear a damn thing i sung but i was happier than i'd ever been so mm-hmm. I st- i've been singing ever since well iggy pop started on the drums and then went to the front so you're in good company in my opinion that. I feel like I should have known Have that. you not seen uh, Gimme Danger? I just added Jim, it to my playlist this morning. Uh, yeah, Jim Jarmusch's uh, documentary. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, oh. And if you're relaxing today when yeah. you get back home, you just put that right on. And because <laughs> you do a lot of covers and I love all of them, but I do. Uh, and, and just to plant a seed in your head, you don't have to. I know you, you don't need to take any advice from me but if you did a Stooges song I'm wondering if maybe either Gimme Danger or I Need Somebody I'd like to hear your voice singing one of those that songs. would be awesome I mean we did the whole reason we recorded Trash which is the B-side to the single Still mm-hmm. I Rise which mm-hmm. is the last single we yeah. had um, was because we were asked to do an LAMF tribute at Bowery Electric mm-hmm. and this was like November of 17 and um so I was like, oh my God, there's so many songs. And I remember everybody had a different opinion. And I was like, wait, I'm the singer. I'm going to pick what I want to sing. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so I picked Trash and we did it. And our, our label head was just like, that is, you have to record that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People love that song. And you also like have like this weird, uh, not weird, but fun, smooth, doo-wop, almost intro to make it seem... Uh, a song that's so rough and tumbles, it's tender in the beginning. And then, motherfuckers better duck when you kiss in. It's, it's like a real relationship right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tender and sweet, and then the mask comes off, and you see all the ugly, and, and hopefully you love it more. But, you know, um, but yeah, that was actually by Steven Van Zandt produced that track with us, and mm-hmm. he's the one who had the doo wop beginning open. And I, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that, but then it grew on me. Mm-hmm. And I trust him. Like, I trust certain people I trust with our music, and others I absolutely do not. Mm-hmm. But him I do, so. Since you brought him up, how'd that uh, relationship begin with uh, Van Zant and 
I, I know he's a champion of you guys playing you a lot on Underground Garage, and I love when I'm driving around and my lady's like working the the serious so I can drive safely. It's like, oh, Soraya, you like them? I'm like, leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Do not move that. Uh, yeah, actually, this is a funny story because I was working with this producer in like 09 and 10 and 11, and he worked with John Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. And so he was always at uh, Bon Jovi shows. Well, little Steven would come to the Bon Jovi shows in like, I guess, New York, New Jersey, whatever. Anyway, I co-written this song with the producer at the time called Runaround, and it was just a single. We just were, I was really working in the studio a lot and working on my writing at that point. And um, he's like, he gave it to little Steven. And Steven's like, listen, I may not call. If I don't like it, don't take it personally. It's just my opinion, I just won't call. And he's mm-hmm. like, that's fine. Never told me he gave it to him. Then all of a sudden I get a call and he wants to meet me in his offices and right I'm like and it's at a ballet like it's above a ballet studio and I'm like what's going on like this yeah. is a weird and at this time you, you know, Sopranos had ended in 07 right mm-hmm. so that's that was my most not so much Bruce Springsteen but like the fact and all the arranging and producing he's done the playing he's done but in my mind little Steven was Silvio you know so mm-hmm. here I am it's like the end of 2010 and I go to meet him and it ended up being a three-hour talk he loved that song. He fell in love with Runaround, and um, he's like, can you write more songs like that? And this is what I said to him at the time. I was like, I don't know if I want to. Because like, <laughs> I was working on my writing, and in my mind, once again, my great mind has done so much for me, was like, you're working on writing now. You may want to write songs like that. You may not want to. And the other part of me is like, what's the matter with you? Like, yeah. just write the 10 songs. Like, write a bunch of songs like you could still write. Like, mm-hmm. you have a whole lifetime ahead of you. But anyway, I did, and the next song we wrote was Voodoo, Love Like Voodoo. I, I was listening to that on the train ride in. Yeah. I just, you know, like kind of gear up and like see if anything caught my ear. Like, all right, let's ask about this one. Let's ask about that one. Um, but yeah, Chelsea and I, we've mentioned this to you before. First time we saw you was when you were opening for the Stripes mm-hmm. at Rough Trade. That was fun. It, it, it was a, a wonderful show. I still feel the Stripes had a hard time following you guys. Good. The yeah, band, that's our job. It, it really... Yeah, the band yeah. comes out and they're playing and they're great. Not long after you almost slither onto stage <laughs> and it, it kicked my Latin up. The, the, the words in my head were aquí viene la bruja, which means and here comes the witch. And <laughs> right, right in the quicksand, it's like, oh, I'm buying this record. It's one of those things where like, I didn't want you to stop but I also did so I could go buy the record and come back. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, whatever young lady was handling your merch was like, oh, they'll be here in a few minutes. They're very friendly. And case in point, here you are in a room yeah. with us. Um, so I don't really have a question to follow that I love up. the story, I just wanted though. to tell that story. That, that makes me, you know, those are the moments that make you realize like you're doing it and it's getting it's getting the attention it needs. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, cause you don't know, like you're creating this stuff. Like even in the studio, I was so proud of this one song I wrote. And I was, it was like the first co-write actually with our drummer, Brianna Sig. And mm-hmm. um, I couldn't believe how it was coming out. I was like, that's the first song we wrote. That's so weird. Um, and, but you're at the end, you're still going like, I hope people like it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's still that self doubt that every artist, mm-hmm. actor, anybody has. Yeah. Like, I hope, I think it was really good. I really am not ready for somebody to like, not like it mm-hmm. at this point. So there's a, cocoon moment with like songs so when you say you heard these songs quicksand started out so much faster than it's become mm-hmm. and uh, honestly was rejected at first by um when we gave it to our label 
Uh, it's but, Wicked um, Cool Records. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to them. Yeah, they well, they changed it into what it became, which, mm. thank God. But yeah, they, they believe in us, and they let us do our art, you know, and they don't try to change it, and they believe in what we are, which is, I think, what's happening, what needs to happen, you know what I mean? Because yeah. ge- that's not the way, I guess, the music business has been. It's like, well, if you're a little more like this, mm. you understand you'll be more accessible. And that's, you know, I think behind it is a good idea, but once you change someone's art, like, it's a fine line between changing how much of it like production's one thing but changing it to a whole different style of music is it just it got to the point where with a lot of music you can just tell when it's personal and when it's not you can tell there's a certain passion there yeah and you can just definitely tell when somebody even just tried to tweak the smallest thing and it's just not whatever this organic beautiful piece was yeah and even if it's supposed to naturally change because that happens but it's by somebody else's hands and you have no control, you can just, I don't know, it's its a very vague way of describing it, but I just feel like I can know when somebody's work. You, you feel it. Yeah, you just feel it. Yeah. yeah. Authentic. And, yeah. And, and I like that you bring up the music industry because another thing I was thinking during that set at Rough Trade, it's like, if Soraya were out in 89 and just had an MTV video, uh, the thought in my head was like, these motherfuckers should be platinum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but unfortunately, the music industry had to uh, destroy itself from within, at least in America, and then blame everybody else yeah. for their shortcomings. But uh, I, I've certainly been, been telling fans, uh, friends about you, rather, yeah. um, and hopefully this will get some people to listen as well. Another thing about that show that I noticed, uh, you did a Prince cover, and I'm a huge Prince fan. Yeah. But you did Wow. And, you're, and I'm like, oh, you know the deep shit. It's like when I met Chelsea and we started doing uh, horror-themed improv, and I'm like, well, what are your favorite movies? And she listed the classics. And then she also said she loved Black Christmas, which is a wow. little-known <laughs> slasher yeah. that predates, yeah, yeah, Friday the 13th and Halloween and clearly influenced those. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, she's not to be fucked with. And that's the same kind of thing. You're not just somebody else doing, let's do a little red Corvette or let's go crazy. You're doing one of the albums right before the end of his life that, you know, didn't fire up the Billboard charts, but it's a solid fucking record with a lot of lady energy, which I like. Yeah, Third Night Girl, I had heard of them. I don't even know. I probably was looking up Prince covers. Probably. uh, In all honesty at the time. And I found this performance they did at Sheffield Park? Sheffield, Shepherd's Bush? Mm-hmm. Oh shoot, I forget, it's an S anyway, somewhere in England. Mm-hmm. And um, oh my God, the players he had with him and the way they played off each other, I was just like, this is crazy. This is a crazy band. It's called Third Eye Girl. It's a cover of a Third Eye Girl song. Mm-hmm. But they were having like, I remember towards the end of his life, they would be having sleepovers at, at his at his like mansion and stuff, like and having concerts. Like they, they had a different, approach to how they were getting the music out but I saw them and I fell in love with them instantly. Mm. It's funny we do another Prince cover on this record. So. Do you now? Yeah, I didn't intend it. Mm. Here's the thing, we had to hurry up and find a cover because I didn't realize the number of songs we had to have for the record. We were short. Oh. And I was like, "Oh, what?" Uh. And they, they wanted a cover and yeah. I was like it's just it was just a song I loved and mm-hmm. um and can, I, can you say what it is or do you got to keep it secret? I don't think I have to keep it secret. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I think we've never done it live yet, mm-hmm. um, but it's called. It's uh, it was originally done by Sinead O'Connor in the '80s, 
and the Prince version is very different. It's nothing compares to you. Mm-hmm. But most Ooh. people have not heard the Prince version. Yeah, I, I, and, I, I got it. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. Like, I'll tell you why I immediately loved the Prince version. The first line of the Sinead O'Connor version, which was written by Prince, was, uh, it's been seven hours. Seven, seven uh, hours and 14 days. 14 days. Prince says it's been seven hours and 13 days. And it broke my brain because seven is such a lucky number and 13 is such an unlucky yes. number. Yeah. So to me, as soon as, and I'm not like a numerology person, but once I heard that first line, I'm like, like oh, okay, what's he going to say in this? And it was a darker, mm-hmm. more soulful version, you know, and um, beautiful um, arrangement and production. And it was hard because he's such a great artist to cover a song like that. And I thought all I can do is bring my tenderness and also my black and whiteness to it really my mm-hmm. like tender vulnerable and mm-hmm. intensely strong and somewhat aggressive side to those lyrics you know what yeah. i mean somewhat aggressive not yeah. completely well, aggressive well, well yeah. that, that, i like that you bring up your aggression because at this last show with you you come right out into the crowd yeah. and you're flinging yourself at people and you boot me on the nose during half-level <laughs> travel. Thank you for that. Okay, and you're head-banging with, so with Chelsea. And yeah, it, 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 your, your stage presence seems like, what, what, if, what if Tina Turner and Iggy Pop you know, made sweet love one day and you seem to be yeah. the embodiment of that idea? Um, but yeah, you, you seem to challenge your audience as much as you challenge yourself live absolutely to me like I, I and it's funny I used to think when people are watching that they're not into it that's not necessarily true at all I've gone to enough concerts where I'm just so enamored and mm-hmm. just want to watch it and, and I am still a part of it even if I'm not throwing myself at the artist like I still feel like connected to the artist when I'm just watching them um, so I learned that just because people aren't responding in a way that I think they should be or want them or need them to be in my opinion um, doesn't mean they're not responding so whenever I feel like I think I just turn into a complete different animal on stage (laughs) I don't know what happens to me but I don't remember most of the set like I'm sure I grabbed you and I'm sure and and it's not that it wasn't relevant it was just so in the moment no Um, exactly it's at that like I go like sometimes I just it's more that I want to reach out and just pull you in rather than rather than like get you to be more animated, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that energy is different than when somebody wants their is like screaming at their audience. Because I used to be that. I, <laughs> I used to scream at them like, "Let's get like, what's your problem? Like, get, get moving." Yeah. It was so egotistical, you know, and it's like there wasn't really communication there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So over the years, I've changed that and realized it's really not, you know, from people telling me after the show, like I was so into it, and I was thinking, but you were completely like, it, it you know, can have a deer in headlight moments. I've, I've had those. <laughs> Moments That's doing improv, I don't know if you have, Chelsea. When you're having a really good show, you're in the pocket, the needle's in the groove, and then it's over, and it's like, I don't remember what the fuck. I, yeah. I heard, I'm sure I heard uh-huh. laughter, Yeah, yeah. but it's like, can we do that over again? Yeah, it's the same for us. Sometimes we don't hear, like, at the Stripe show, in fact, mm-hmm. almost the whole band was like, they clapped. I'm like, did you not see? Like, they were like... Losing their shit. Did yeah. you say that? I don't know if I'm going to say that. Everybody was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Everyone was, yeah, uh, Another was thing I was concerned about with all the animation on stage, I'm like, I really hope nobody clocks that, that singer. I'm sure it does. Actually, in, in, in Viper Room, I still have scar tissue. I oh, Just no. like uh, in April... I was throwing my head during um, Beggar, and I'm usually pretty mm-hmm. good about that, but I don't know what happened, but I got up on top of an amp instead of the drum head this mm-hmm. time, 
and there was a head on top of the amp and I was actually, my feet were on the actual amp and the head was above where mm. I was standing. Mm -hmm. And I threw my head down and I cracked the corner of the head. Ooh. And there was a goose egg out of my head, like, oh, like hospitalization yeah. size, like, you know, and I just was like, I was at the same time so incredibly proud of it. Yeah. And at the same time, I like really kind of concerned that I really messed myself up because I felt sick. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, I think I got a concussion. Like, yeah. no, um, but I, I remember reading uh, Get in the Van by Henry Rollins, and he's talking about like colliding with the bass tuning pegs. And I'm like, what? He seems so nice. I don't want anything bad to happen. Wait, I have to bring something up. Please this do. is completely off topic, but um, great for your editor who's going to kill me. But um, did you ever see the video of Henry Rollins trying to outdo Iggy Pop? I heard him tell the story, yes. Yes, yes. so amazing. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I'll, I'll send you the... No, I, I, ha I have the DVD. I think it's on live at Luna Park or something. Oh where and, and Iggy is a sight to behold live where he, like he'd opened for Iggy before at festivals so he tries to uh, just go him. amp up amped up in third gear like already sweating before Rollins band takes stage and they do the thing he's completely spent and then you have Iggy comes on after and you can't fucking follow Iggy Pop no, <laughs> they're, no. they're, they're, Rollins even admits by himself there is one Undisputed heavyweight champion of rock and roll, and it's Iggy Pop. Yeah, and uh, I I got to see him at Irving Plaza for the Avenue B tour, and in just his own even just beckoning people up on stage, uh, and I'm like, I, that, I I'm a people, <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. I climbed up on stage and I stand up, and then Iggy is about this close to yeah. me with the uh, mic next uh -huh. to me, and I'm like, I know the words to the passenger. <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna sing with Iggy Pop? I'm gonna sing with Iggy Pop. Oh, <laughs> amazing! So, yeah, that that's the best show I've ever seen, and it's hard to top that. I'll Prince, you, that Prince came close. My, I've never seen Prince, but yeah. uh, when I saw Iggy Pop, it changed my life. Right. I saw him at La Poussin Rouge. Travis Smith, our bass player, brought me. He got free tickets, and, and this that, was when. Uh, that's teeny. Oh my God! That's he a, ran to the front. I saw Travis. Travis like, I, I'm not gonna stay back here with you. I have to run to the front. I'm like, okay. He runs to the front as soon as Iggy comes out, and he's losing his mind and hitting people on the head. And I was like, he's going to get punched, right? And then the other, this was the reserve part of yeah. it. And I'm like, I want to get up there. So I pushed my way all the way up front, too, and I ended up on stage at the mm -hmm. end. I left that show, and that made me the performer I am today. Mm -hmm. That was in 2014. I saw that show April of 14 at La Poissant Rouge in uh, I guess that's Brooklyn. Oh, no, that's downtown. That's downtown. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of Greenwich Village. The only place I've ever, the only time I've ever been there. Yeah. And it changed my life. I was, a, if I'd say before that show, I was one person after that show. Was it, it's well. roughly the size of this room, the Poisson Rouge. Oh, my God. So it was amazing. It was an NPR event. It was the album, the album he did when he was, he had all the dynamite strapped to the front. Oh, uh, Ready to Die. That's, yes. That Stooges one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Changed my life. Changed my, made me, I, I realized, because I before that, people were pushing me to be like pitch perfect, and I was like, I'm just not that singer. Like, yeah. I'm trying to mm -hmm. be really, you know, but I love rock and roll. Like, I love rock and roll. I mm -hmm. love, like, the, the insanity of it, the wildness of it, the, like, freeness of being in the moment like that. And I feel that on stage now. I didn't before I saw him <laughs> at all. He freed me up. And, and, and that, that's an important thing about rock, is that not everything needs to be... Uh, like I said, uh, or, or uh, perfect by society's 
standards. Uh, it was Kurt Cobain said, you know, uh, play whatever you want, as sloppy as you want, as long as it's good and, and has passion. Uh, wow. I, I've bonded a little bit with uh, your drummer, Brianna, about a mutual love of Tom Waits. Yeah. And by no means does he have the greatest voice in the world. No, no way. But Tom Waits is a hard one for me to uh, recommend to people. I cannot <laughs> explain my love for Tom Waits. He's, he's broken. Like, he's listening. You know? yeah. yeah. You can hear the brokenness yeah. in the voice. And that, like, that's... Like, uh, I think there's people that, like, try to avoid getting broken because like, they got yeah. sort of broken and it hurts so much they don't want to get broken mm -hmm. again or even get close to that feeling. Yeah, and people spend exactly. their whole lives staying away from it. And I think, like, in a sense, as much as I've had, like, a lot of hardships, mm -hmm. I'm grateful for them mm -hmm. because they broke me. And you can hear it in Tom Waits' voice. Yeah, you can hear it exactly. in, in um, Lou Reed. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, you can hear it in Lou Reed like crazy. You can hear it in Iggy. Mm -hmm. You can see it in Iggy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's 77? 70-something, yeah. The first time I heard Tom Waits, I'm like, this guy sounds like he's been crushed by life, and I need more. It was when, when, and I want I more, more of it. Yeah. That's what it is. I You're was, like, oh my God, but it's, I want more of it. I was, yeah. my exact reaction. I was working Waits. in Tower Records when Mule Variations came out, and I'm like, oh, this is someone I just want to lay in the gutter with and learn from. Oh my, do you ever hear Nick Cave? I love Nick Cave. <laughs> Did you ever hear, he used to write in a room by himself with a window. And he would lock himself yeah. in this room, and I'd be like, that's just torture right there. Like, I've done that. It's torture. It's torture. And I'm just like, but his words, and then and now he's writing, he admitted, he's like, I'm writing more, um, like, more as part of life instead of secluding. And I'm like, I, I definitely do both. I definitely seclude, but I try not to cut off because that's dangerous for me. But, um, but I try to seclude as much as possible to get my honest opinion. But I think, like, those artists, like, write words that I admire, and I, I, I like, study them. Like just listen to their words, like read their words. They're poetry. Poems. Yeah. Patty Smith. I love Patty Smith. Mm. She's love a poet. Patty Smith. Mm. Yeah, I love them. Have, have yeah. you uh, signed up to get via email Nick Cave's Red Right Hand series, where he's like answering questions from fans? No. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> should. Never heard of it? You should. You should. Uh, oh. it, it's the Red Right Hand files, and he <laughs> he's also doing a tour. Yeah. Where like people can do ask him questions and he'll play like a couple of songs, but yeah, people are just asking him questions about all kinds of like deep shit, and he's giving uh, true, honest answers. Like you know, like well, what would you do if the world were, were ending, or why do so many people hate Nocturama? And I yeah. read that one. I'm like, wait, people hate that record? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a fine record. Yeah. But yeah, you, you just sign up for it, and then it comes in your email. I'm gonna, I'm gonna what do it. it. I'm gonna bother you after we're done. I, I, I will <laughs> absolutely send it to you. No I, I totally want it. Okay. Now, uh, other things in, in following you since since that that wonderful Stripe show, uh, you got the opportunity to open for Joan Jett last year. Yes. How'd that come about? I've wanted it forever. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so when I you know because I follow you guys on. Instagram and on Twitter and stuff. And when I saw that that was happening, I was like, "This is literally meant to happen." <laughs> it this was stupidly had to have I mean, happened. And and yeah. I won't, I'm relentless in getting more. Like yeah. let's put it that way. It's <laughs> it, I'm relentless. I bother um, the Lagunas like like they biweekly. <laughs> mm, I, I try to have a decent respect, you know, and not be all about that. But then there's the part of me that's like, but that's what I'm all about. Mm -hmm. like I, and it's out of my love and respect for Joan and what she's accomplished, what they've all accomplished mm -hmm. together, the Lagunas and, and Joan, on, in such a field that's like not... If, did you ever see Bad Reputation? Yes, I did. I mean, that's that's just... Watch that and you'll understand what they've gone mm -hmm. through. Like, you kind of know, but when you watch that, you're like, holy, yeah. oh my God. Like, But um, yeah, that he, came about because... Here's a broad that did, refused 
to fail. Yeah. yeah. She you refused to quit. I mean, turned down by was, everybody, but fuck it. No, we'll do it ourselves. Quit. Yeah. They fired her at the end when she like got rid of the like. I was just like, how can you quit when you have Joan Jett as your example? Yeah. Like I can sit here and go, oh, this one left, this one left, and does it knocks you down? But then you're like, I can't quit. Like she didn't quit. Mm-hmm. She lost everybody and everything on a, sitting on a couch and then had a number one at with I Love Rock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you never know. You just gotta you gotta believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing. Believe it was given to you for a reason. But um, that came about because. Little Steven, here's, I, so I go to see Joan Jett, and a friend of ours, Phil, Phil Bogner, said to me, you're going to meet Joan at this show. I'm going to bring you to the show. You're going to meet her. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, people say that and whatever. Yeah. I met her. And, and like, it was <laughs> funny because Meryl Laguna, who's Kenny Laguna's wife, part of Black Heart Records, comes out, out, and we're in this, like, initial, like, backstage outside area because it was, like, a big concert with, like, I think it was Foreigner. Um, you know, it was one of those summer mm. festival concerts. Yeah. Like, one of those amphitheater like, things. Yeah, yeah, it's right, like, not festival. I forget mm. what they're called, but um, it was Joan and it was um, Farner. Maybe it wasn't Farner. I don't know who it was. Just like two other bands. They meant nothing you to were, me at this point. You but. weren't there to see them. <laughs> no, I didn't. They care. were the obstacles no. in the way of you seeing <laughs> Joan. One Jett. of them sang Mr. Roboto. That's all I know. <laughs> what what is that band? Whatever I, that band is. Um, anyway, so. So we're backstage in this outside backstage area. Meryl comes up and she sees me and Brown. She goes, which one of you is Zuzu? And I'm like, that'd be me. Mm-hmm. And she just grabbed me by the shoulder. She goes, I've loved what you did since Love Like Voodoo. And like, I almost And that was Joan up. that said that? No, that was Meryl Laguna. That was Meryl, Meryl Laguna. Meryl, Meryl Laguna. And, um, and she said, Joan's not really meeting anybody today. I hope you're okay with that. And I'm like, I didn't really expect to meet her. I'm like, that, but that is all I really, that mm-hmm. just made my life. And then somebody came back and was like, where are the Soraya girls? And me and Brianna look at each other. She's like, come back. And so we both go backstage and uh, we're in this room and I still didn't know why we were brought back there. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Meryl comes in, she goes, come on. And I go out and I see Joan and I run right back in the door <laughs> because I thought I wasn't supposed to see her. Like yeah. my brain like you're responded. Like, I was told no. I was like, oh, I was supposed to see her. And, <laughs> and Meryl's like, come on, like, what do you do? So I came back out and I just I just remember babbling something that she saved my life or and her voice saved my life. And the first time I heard her voice, I was like, what is that? And it probably came off really wrong. But the fact is, the very next morning, I get a call from our label or, or from a, a fan of ours saying, hey, your you're, 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 um, underground garage who plays you all the time is doing a show at the Count Basie in October with Joan. You should see if there's an opener for that. And I was like... I was like, we're not, my first thought was always like, we're not getting that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, eh, so I call my label and they're like, yeah, there's no opener. I'm like, oh my God, can we be on that, can we be on that gig? Like, can we, can we be, and that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that easy. And, um, and then Steven went on our behalf and asked if it was cool because they have their own bands on their own label. So it was kind of like, I was trying to get on this mm-hmm. bill, but it was presented by Underground Garage and like, so they helped us out there and. You know, we got on that bill, and we did a great job, and we stayed on for only 25 minutes, which we didn't do at the Stripes, which Holy we got in trouble about. Yeah. Um, but we stayed on for exactly 25, got off, and uh, they loved us. Joan loved us. Um, Kenny and Meryl loved us. So, you know, I'm in, I'm in contact with them trying to get on some fall shows. They're on the Heart uh, Love Tour right yeah, now. so it's, it's not. Yeah, they've already had their openers for that, mm. so that's not. Although... I'm like, hey. So you, you never know. If somebody fall, life, you know, life happens. Yeah. Uh, somebody yeah. could fall yeah. down the steps. <laughs> I could not be there when they fall down the steps. <laughs> exactly. Though. Exactly. I, you're such a great example of how, like, I mean, just just fucking ask, just do it. Just <laughs> yeah. like 
what's stopping you? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're just going to be told, oh, no, sorry. I and you just keep going because yeah. that's what it means to you. You just keep going. Yeah, that's how yeah. I know it's like in my soul because honestly, I'm not a person that takes no very well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I take no very personally. Yeah. I take it really, I've always had, it's taken a long time to get a semi-tough yeah. skin where that's concerned. Um, I'm, believe it or not, I'm a really shy introvert. I know <laughs> it doesn't come across that way, but I, I think that's, that's what makes me a songwriter. Yeah. You know, you, you um, but I, I definitely, from, uh, you know, it, it's taken a lot of people to say to me, just yeah. just ask, just mm-hmm. ask. And I think they're put, you know, kind of put there. Because I'm not an asker. I yeah. do take it a person. Like, and I've, I've asked for a lot of shows that I don't hear an answer about, too, which, you know, I don't talk about them as much. But yeah. uh, but I, I thought for sure I'd get on. Like, they're just easy ons, and they just weren't. They just didn't hear from yeah. the person. Or, you know, and I have to not make it mean anything. Because, exactly. you know, at, we're artists. We want to make it mean, like, oh, we're probably annoying them or, and, and I'm just mm-hmm. like I don't care if I'm gonna, this is my yeah. life this mm-hmm. is it's short I want to be on this show and like I mm-hmm. think the more I've had loss is the more I'm willing to ask mm-hmm. and take no because yeah, that makes sense yeah because I keep like I think life is about letting go mm-hmm. the more like the longer I'm alive the more I'm like wow you really have to let go of everything you got nothing to lose like asking you or any of the other guests that we've had on here just Send a Facebook message. Hey, this is what I do. Would you like to come on this? And sometimes they're like, yeah. And other times like, now's not good. We'll get it later. Yeah. And that's... It's part never of it. never hurts. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's all, all in good fun. I try to work with people as much as I can for a schedule that works for them. Yeah. And we make stuff happen. Yeah. I mean, well, thank you. Because mm-hmm. I definitely have to ask a lot more with this album. I'm really proud of it. I'd be glad to have you back. We could. We yeah. also do horror tutorials, and I've seen you post things of sometimes being frightened of of stuff. So how do you You can help ta- me with that. I would be happy to. You have to understand something about me. I am drawn like a moth to a, a, a flame of light. <laughs> um, like just, I don't know why I had to clarify that. But anyway, okay. I have such a weird brain. Um, but I am drawn to horror. Like you, like Travis is horror. Brianna's horror. Even Mike, you can't tell, but like he's horror. Yeah. Like they all have that horror thing to them. And I'd I'm love like, to have all of them in here. Oh yeah. my god, I I'm so drawn to it. But I know this: if I watch any kind of exorcism movie by mm-hmm. myself, I'm not sleeping for three days. <laughs> At least three days, I maybe mean, four that's or five. Fair. I fucking I love horror, and there's still certain ones where I'm like, I'm in my apartment alone. Keeping the light on. Like when I went and saw Hereditary, I just oh moved. Oh my god, you messed me up. Right? Oh my and, god. Oh my god. And no, I had just oh. moved into my new apartment. No. And you're not there yet. Yeah, no, and I yet. was like, it was yeah. me and the cats, and I was like, you all need to stop making so much damn noise. <laughs> or protect me. Yeah. So I was like, I need you to just sit here and not do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. my roommate was like, she's in a band and she was on tour, and so I was going to be. By myself for like two weeks, uh-huh. and I was just—I had to keep lights on. <laughs> and I go. love horror movies, yeah, right. I was texting her, "When are you coming back?" <laughs> like, I, I know you just left, but um, can you guys not be on tour? <laughs> can you be done? <laughs> yeah, can you be done? But no, I love horror, but there's certain ones, and Rick thinks it's funny that there's that I love horror so yeah. much. And even when we went and saw like the new Halloween, there were times where I was like. Oh, I know, I like, cover my eyes. I do like watching Chelsea watch movies. But funny thing, when we saw Hereditary, it's a bunch of us in the pretty crowded theater, and there's always that clicking sound throughout. Uh, I believe someone, someone else in the theater was doing it. did that in, yeah. like, another corner. I would have punched And 
like you, you see like you hear a little group like give that nervous laughter thing like yeah. okay no problem yeah I'm having a good time but then I see someone walk down the aisle and then you have you know the the, the multiplex with like the, the aisle in the middle and yeah. someone walks right out of the theater I'm like and it was shortly after that that click I'm like pretty sure that person shat himself <laughs> yeah because you heard someone fall like you heard a thump on the ground i'm like oh my god someone fell when one of the clicks happened you just see this there. person like quickly walk out and you're like yeah that person had an accident or something and you don't need to know and yeah. you don't need i'm to like know. i don't need you're it like, yeah but i actually have a demonic movie that i think you would enjoy not if you're willing to, not what? no not alone and saying don't watch it alone you can watch this one alone i i should it's hell baby Oh, yeah, that's a funny I mean, that sounds cute. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a comedy. It's a hard comedy. Oh, yeah. I can watch that. If you want to watch that, come on back. Bring any of the band members that you want. When the album comes yeah. out, we can discuss. It is so fucking funny that it, it, it's one of the greatest horror comedies of all time. That's usually how I try to steer people with the tutorial. And part of the essence of our show is, like, get them with laughter. Yeah. We have people telling true scary stories, and some of them are really fucking weird. Oh. And then we oh, improv- no, true ones? Yes. Well, okay. Oh, so, I have a friend who I comes so and many. she does this. It's so funny. But yeah. she tries to look casual about it, so mm-hmm. she'll uh, put her ears or her hair in front of her ears, like and this. I see her like this. Mm-hmm. Well, full, full disclosure. <laughs> I'm like, stop. Before that, we, we, just, we just do the regular improv comedy thing of can we get a suggestion of something that really scares you? Yeah. And then November 2016 came about, and we kept getting one suggestion. And clearly, uh, the Trump presidency is a frightening thing, but it made improv less fun. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I tweaked it. There's a form called the Armando, named after Armando Diaz. Uh, where you tell a true story and people improvise off that, and I'm like, well, let's see if anyone has true skin, like not you know the traumas that we all experience, but something bordering on paranormal. And I was surprised how many people had some, mm-hmm. and I had a couple myself. And I'm like, this is the way to go. Yeah, and it'll separate us. Yeah, but yeah. speaking of, of horror, and uh, a little t- I don't know if you know that uh, your last record shares the name of a vehicle in Land of the Dead. <laughs> Dead Reckoning. It's kind of like a tank uh, used to go through zombies. But the Dead Reckoning Club. <laughs> I never even knew that. What? Yes. So, so de- it, it's one of the things that made me love your band more. So then when you named your Patreon Dead Reckoning Club, I'm like, well, I'm signing up for this. Oh, my God. Yeah. I never knew that. You think I should know that, right? <laughs> you know how that album title came about? Tell me. Uh, tr- um, no, me and Mike were writing the song Beautiful Curse. It was the first song we ever wrote. And we were writing Beautiful Curse, and all of a sudden he said, I don't know why I have to tell you this. It's the only time this has ever happened. He's like, Dead Reckoning came to me, and I'm like, okay, like as a song title or as like a poem I should read? Is this like something? He's like, I don't know. And I was like, wow. okay, that's weird. That's yeah. weird. Like, and, that is a weird one. And he had been in the band like four or five months at this point, right? So I'm right. kind of like, okay, weird guy, but okay, I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but. When I looked it up, it was it was a nautical term, which mm-hmm. is the reason the front. If you see, you know, this like front a, covers like an the, octopus, yeah. yeah. It's, but it starts out like it's an yeah. old nautical map where mm-hmm. the actual center is on my throat, uh-huh. which just happened as an Easter egg mistake. Like it was just the artwork ended up that way. But um, but it's basically a nautical term meaning you don't know where you know where you were. Like they're not using a map, um, but they they know where they were and they're figuring out how to navigate from where they were. 
like not knowing what's in front of them. And I'm like, every song on this is about, I know who I was, I know who I am, I know where I came from, I don't know where I'm going. That's like, so that's the name of the record. I had no idea mm-hmm. it was uh, a tank used to kill zombies, mm-hmm. so now it just makes even more sense. So now you'll have to watch some George Romero zombie movies, but with your Patreon, yeah, um, I do love that, that you offer some some videos for, for people that have signed up talking about records you love, or Travis is there, or Mike will be giving... Uh, riff things and little artwork and yeah. downloads and all that stuff. So, so our listeners should sign up and, and yeah. support because. Uh, Thank you. Yes, you've yeah. you've you've displayed the 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 artwork for the new single that's yeah. coming out, Evergreen. Yeah. Yep. So I've seen it. I've taken the oath not to share it. Yeah, nobody can share it. It was a blood oath. Yeah. Brianna cut my palm with one of her jagged drumsticks. Yeah, she came over. Yeah. Opened the door. Mm-hmm. We were told not to not to share it. So mm-hmm. I said, share it. There, we there, both agreed to there were other people with yeah. druid hoods. I don't know if it was the rest of the guys <laughs> in the band, but it could have been. It was a big ceremony. It was all fun. <laughs> so, what what other goodies do you have coming our way? Um, well, we have a bunch of shows coming up in July, and then our our evergreen release show in August. So it's a really kind of sparse summer, mm-hmm. but um, but you know, back at it in the fall and really mm-hmm. hard, like a little more so than in the past. Come when the record comes out in spring. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of all gearing up towards looking at spring more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But um, we have some shows like the 5th, we're playing um, WMMR in Philadelphia is having a free concert event for the fourth weekend. It's um, free, it's go free, to it. free and there's food, there's a beer garden and there's free nice. food. We play for basically two hours. Hopefully it won't be 95 degrees with no tent, which yeah. can happen. It can happen. But, um, but we'll be playing everything, uh, even from the new record, not all the songs though, because mm-hmm. we're saving that, but, um, but a lot of them. And uh, and then on the sixth, we're doing a house show in Philly, and then uh, the fourteenth of July, which is a Sunday, we're playing the Johnny Thunder's birthday bash at Bowery Electric. So we're mm. going to play three songs, which I'm not going to tell you what they are. You have to come, although mm. I think it's either sold out or almost mm. sold out. So get your tickets now for July fourteenth at Bowery Electric, uh, the Johnny Thunder's birthday bash. We're doing three um, three songs of Johnny Thunder's that he penned. And then the 28th of July, I'm doing the Stiff Baders uh, Dead Boy Benefit. I'm going to sing a song there, a very rare cut, so you should come to that as well. And then our release show for our single Evergreen Back with Rebel Rebel, which is coming out in colored vinyl, which I'll show you guys after. That's yeah. going to go on Patreon, too. I, oh, I, I pre-ordered. You did? I, I got oh, wait to see it. I got the t-shirt bundle. Oh, we just ordered them today. Yes. Uh, so crazy. Brianna designed a t-shirt with you with snakes for your hair like Medusa. Yes. I'm not keeping that shirt. No? I, but you have a friend of ours. Who, there's a, a game called God Hates Charades, which you can talk in it, it, it but it, it helps for your improv skills. You try to guess the clue that they're giving you. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I'm a, I'm a person. I have snakes for hair, so everyone said Medusa. And then she stopped, and she said, that's not what this card says. And then she, she regrouped, and she was trying to get us to say Medea, the Tyler Bailey oh. character. But Chelsea laughed so hard she couldn't fucking breathe for the rest of the <laughs> I laughed for like five minutes. So I'm like... Because all of us yelled Medusa, and then she's just like, oh, wait, that's not her. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, who do you mean? And then she's, I mean, that's real clear. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? And it's one so, of those things when your dopey friends do something so fucking funny, you yeah. adore them. So I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not getting this t-shirt in my size. We're getting it in the medium, and it is a gift. Aww. Hopefully it'll also get her in. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, it definitely is a statement, and I think yeah. that's what Evergreen and the lyrics are about. It yeah. kind of all fits, which will come out like more, more when the album, where the single comes out. I'll, I'll do videos on Patreon actually mm-hmm. on the 
Dead Reckoning Club mm -hmm. of uh, I think me and Mike are doing one of, of, of the lyric and the writing process of the song. Mm -hmm. So so you can yeah. find out all the goodies that we didn't cover here. And there's a, you guys did a, an acoustic show just for Patreon members, yep. which uh, I unfortunately didn't get to go to. But you posted the videos there. we got to do another one. We're supposed to do four a year. We've done one so far. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you're, you're busy people. And when yeah. can we expect the, the full album release? Are we aiming for spring? March, yep. March? Early March. I think uh, March 2nd as of now is the date and I think January so our single release is August 23rd um, on colored vinyl and it'll mm. probably hit radio before that um, mm. and then uh, on January 2nd or 3rd is the next single and then the, and that goes with the pre-orders for the record and then the record comes out March 2nd. I am a fan of the colored vinyl so oh I can't wait to show you I can't wait to look at it's, it it's the um, the when I was in the studio this week, they told me they're like, "This is the first time somebody's off uh, ordering a seven-inch with three colors." Ah. For Wicked Cool for all Wicked Cool artists, they've ordered albums with three, mm. but this is the first time a single. You're a tastemaker, Zuzu. I tell see the, it. Tell the <laughs> tell the listeners where they can find you on the social medias and things like that. Uh, basically, any of the social medias at Soraya Rocks. So it's S O R A I A R O C K S. Soraya Rocks. Uh, that's Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook, and whatever else there is. Uh, mm -hmm. Bandcamp, I think, is Soraya. Uh, and then Soraya.com has all our tour dates. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's basically what that's good for. <laughs> exactly. You can find all that stuff. You can buy the albums. You can stream it on all the streaminess. Download on iTunes. Spotify. Um, iTunes is not yeah. going to be around for that. So yeah. get it while you can. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an old man. Uh, you can't oh, be switching man. things on me. They're switching it all. Yeah, they are. is going bye-bye. I do not approve of this. No. Can I have my songs at least that I ordered like I'm 10 years so ago? I'm so scared yeah. of my 15 years of like when I was a radio DJ. I'm like, no, I'm going to lose so much. But that's a crisis I'll have later. So. Yeah. Where can the people find you, Chelsea? Uh, Chelsea Bennington on Twitter, Instagram, that's really it. Okay, cool. And you can check out Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook uh, for information of our funny haha -ha shows. we got a big show this Monday night, a biggest show at the Magnet Theater where I've learned improv. I worked hard to try to finally get us in that venue, so that'll be at 10.30, and we'll drop this show so you can get to that. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to take a picture, and we're going to put it on Instagram, and everybody's going to love it, yeah. and it'll be fun. And thank you so much for coming out. This is a blast. I could go for two more hours talking no, about this. Great. But I have to barbecue for people. Oh, so, sweet. So if you weren't heading back to Philadelphia, you could have ribs. So I'm only oh. going to tempt you once. Oh. You want to come with us? Oh. Next time you come to New York, I'll make you a plate. Yeah, make me a plate. I will. Let's have another party. Yeah. Right. We'll do that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Why not? All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.